for tuning into Inwards and Upwards. On this show, we like to discuss everything ranging from the body, human movement, um, mental game, and generally just how to get a bigger slice of pie when it comes to playing this game called Life. My name is Mike Mears. Uh, what follows is a conversation between me and co-host of the show, Grant Iflander. And today, what we will be talking about... Um, some thoughts on the state of CrossFit, uh, talking about human movement and diagnosing um, just muscular and body systems, as well as our thoughts on environment and the way that uh, we inter- interact with the way that we interact with the built world around us and how that relates to nature and the way that we have evolved over time um hope you enjoy uh please uh like and share and leave any comments you have for us and with that i'll uh, let us get into the show and uh yeah continuing the open workouts too which have been been rough <laughs> so one the last one was it was as many reps as possible, and it was 55 each of deadlift, uh, like a 225-pound deadlift, and then a 20-pound wall ball shot, and then 55-calorie row, and then handstand push-ups, and just trying to get through all of that, and it totally underestimated that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can deadlift for days, and it just I just went out. I went in way too fast and wrecked myself. Um, and so I like made it halfway through that workout and it was, it was rough. Your back just blow up after the deadlifts and then you had to suffer from a indomitable pump for the rest of the <laughs> basically row calorie after 55 deadlifts. Well, it's and balls. You're just, yeah, I basically got into the wall balls and I couldn't make it through that because I went too hard. So, um, I was, my goal was to get to the handstand pushups and then like struggle to get a couple of those just cause I've not really done them, but I didn't even get that far. So, oh, well, what was the time cap? Uh, time cap was 12 minutes or no, is it 12 minutes? Yeah, it was 12 minutes. So it took me like eight minutes to get through the deadlifts, which I'm embarrassed by, but whatever, it's what it is. Um, yeah. so next year there's always next year and it's i don't know it's just a good experience like see what the level of this competition actually is um and i've also been hearing from folks that like this year's workouts are a lot harder than previous years as well so um so it's actually like it's actually like a competition for real athletes Um, like they're upping the scale as we go further and further into this realm of CrossFit and determining what fitness is. We're just kind of, we're, we're bringing people with us by increasing the bar because people each year, more and more athletes are getting into it, at least in my observation, and people want to continue to test their limits and with a broader population and a sample size that we have, it's like, we need to see what the peak of the bell curve is, you know? Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. I think so, how's your uh, your weight training going? It has continued to evolve. Um, 
right now it's looking i'm doing some more gymnastics work so i've dived into the gymnastic strength training stuff and nice i'm i'm probably or i am getting more into hand balancing so that looks like a lot of um for me at least less of the weight training stuff that i had been getting into and more um back into the mobility and just uh uh strength through range of motion in my shoulder girdle especially mm. so I can um so that i can explore that you know so i think last time we talked i was doing kettlebell swings and and body weight exercises now it's more body weight exercises okay so like so. doing stuff like on a pull-up bar or on the ground on the ground mostly some on the pull bar i'm doing a lot of active hangs uh, i've thrown some pull-ups in there a lot of scapular work and scapular stability stuff mm -hmm. uh, and actually more yoga more yoga asanas uh, at least in the sense of like me using things like sun salutation or surya namaskar it's the the classical sequence of postures i'm just doing more of those too because uh, it's such a great um like it is, if you do Surya Namaskar daily, it's a great fitness regimen because it it just you're doing a forward fold and a back bend in a sequence of postures, mm. non, you know, with your breath. So you can really um, you can harness the power of a, a classical yoga sequence and then kind of carry that forward into uh, physical fitness as well, which is what it should be done for. You know, we're just we're developing this physical vessel so that it's a better um, conduit for energy. Yeah. It's, that's my philosophy, at least even, even with weight training and any other movement practice that we have. So I guess, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I've been with, with my physical practice, adding more body weight exercises, but also adding more yoga, which I was already doing a lot of. Oh, so you're doing more yoga than you're doing before too. I would say I'm doing, yeah, I'm more in the sense of, um, yeah, yeah, more, more yoga. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely body weight work that's incorporated in yoga. So I know that I even have noticed as I've been more disciplined with doing like stretching workouts and more of the, like the gymnastics stuff, just how even just an hour of deep, stretching work like for me at least like it like gets my heart rate elevated and like you know I perspire a little bit and like it's it's not the same as it's a different type of workout than like a some type of AMRAP or heavy heavy weightlifting but it's still like I'll get to the end of some of these and I'll be like okay like whoa and you feel you feel those endorphins you feel like you have grown or you know, challenge your strength in some ways. Um, so it's real. Totally. Yeah. They've done, I remember reading a study not too long ago, um, demonstrating the fact that stretching actually increases our glucose clearance and will improve insulin sensitivity. Oh, uh, it just, I mean, the, the move, the mobilization of skeletal muscle tissue through something like static, um, stretching, especially dynamic stretching will facilitate, uh, movement of fluid and glucose through and without through and within the muscle tissue itself so mm. it's like it facilitates nutrient partitioning and all of the things that we equate to um, 
weight training and like the metabolic activity and, and that sort of thing, but it's very similar in that regard. So it's, it's pretty cool, you know, to think that you don't need to do 50 pushups to shuttle muscle into your, you know, pec muscle. You can actually hang out and stretch in the doorway and, and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just from moving the glucose around. And so that that gives the tissue something to like feed on essentially. Well, I guess, and this wasn't said in the article, but it's just kind of my interpretation of why that is. Um, you know, stretching facilitates micro tears in the muscle the same way that contracting it does. Mm. Because what we're doing is eccentrically lengthening the tissue. And so when it returns to the baseline position after being eccentrically lengthened, it has micro tears the same way that it would if we were concentrically contracting it. You know what I mean? Mm. And so the myofibrils must be repaired. Um, I guess you even would have some protein synthesis in there. And definitely collagen is needed to come to the connective tissue and um, create some, uh, uh, you know, rebuilding the fascia is very real. You know, our fascial system is comprised Mm -hmm. of a bunch of connective collagen fibers and we need amino acids to rebuild that so yeah actually that makes me think of something like since i've started to do uh, more stretching and really focusing on my hamstrings and just everything through the back of my legs i've noticed that in the back of my like right heel that sometimes I'll get this like really this weird like sensation of like almost burning or like I want to say tearing but it doesn't feel like tearing but it's like this like weird burning sensation like deep kind of sharp pain um huh does it feel nervy maybe nervy i don't know when i think of nervy like there's a there's like a different sensation when you feel the muscle pulling than when you feel like the actual nervous tissue because nervous tissue is as um prevalent in our tissue as vascularity you know we have a network of nerves that basically follow the same traffic as all the capillaries so if you could picture like the whole capillary system of the body have you ever seen just like just the capillary system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see the entire human body. You know, it's insane. It's just this really, you know, it's like, it's like a bunch of spider webs. Yeah. But, it's just this. Yeah. And so that, that is also parallel traffic to the nerves. You know, they basically follow the same thing and you're, you are stretching that tissue as much as you are stretching the capillary, as much as you are stretching the muscle all of the tissues being stretched. And so when I think about the nerves being like, it's like they're being, you know, pulled so that they can all of a sudden have more flow of electricity. Yes. Yeah. No, that's what it feels like. Like if I, and I can't always recreate it, but like right now I'm like hyperextending my ankle, um, like flexing my toe, like towards my, the front of my shin. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel, yeah, it doesn't feel, like at first it feels like it's like, oh, that's weird. And that doesn't feel good. But then if I like slowly move deeper into it, I feel like things moving across each other. So maybe it is nervy is the word. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I like, 
I've tried, I've, I've noticed it. I'll notice it um, sometimes if I'm stretching, doing like a, some type of calf stretch or doing like a downward dog. And then I'll be like, oh, and so I'll like, I'll be careful and I'll, in my warm up, and I'll like start to like do a lot of ankle circles and other things. And then it doesn't, it doesn't come back unless I go in that position, but it doesn't activate when I'm like squatting. It doesn't activate when I'm, you know, doing in the middle of a workout, it's just like in deep stretch. And so. Interesting. Maybe, yeah. maybe like, I always think that there's, there is a max range of motion in all of our tissues. And most of the time in our general movements, especially things that we do regularly, like you mentioned squatting, we are unconsciously not approaching that max because the body knows that if it does, it feels that sensation that you just referred to. And usually that sensation, if you go there, like in a max stretch, like a max effort ankle dorsiflexion, you know, where you're really putting effort towards it. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's not painful, but it doesn't feel like it feels almost, it feels slightly sketchy. Yes. You know? And that's why I say it's nervy because when it feels sketchy, it's usually like the nervous system, the brain is like, whoa, whoa like there's a potential injury there. Mm -hmm. And we know that. And if you go any further, you might tear something. And so that's like the peak of the, the pull of the nervous tissue where it's like, dude, you can't go anymore because we're connected to also the fascia and this and that. And if you pull this further, the fascia is going to tear. Yeah. Um, you know, cause we have, um, I think it's called the Golgi body. Have you heard the name Golgi bodies? Mm -hmm. They're little organelles in the muscle fiber itself that I believe send signals to the nerve that will tell the nerve to either let go and let the muscle fiber lengthen, or they send the opposite signal. It's like a feedback mechanism saying too far or not far enough. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the, it's the binary system. It's like, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's our checks and balances to make sure that we're not always overextending ourselves Cause we have to, we have to have structure, you know? Yeah. Hmm. So that's, okay. That's thought at least like, does that make sense? Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. And then I did have an injury on the ankle in the past that was somewhat of a, like a fascial injury. And so, um, I could see how as I, as I change my range of motion and focus on spend time focusing on like ankle flexion, um, and like ankle range of motion, just how my body would be a little like, Whoa, be careful there. You've been hurt before. And I know that we hold on to that stuff. And so sometimes you need to like, you need to like very carefully test those limits to figure out like, okay, like, is this response that feels like pain? Or is this like a pain response because I'm hurting myself? Or is this something that's been conditioned in that I need to slowly test and challenge and strengthen so that I can move beyond like a point where I was too weak before to move into without getting hurt? And I think that just takes a lot of just you have to be slow with it because you can push yourself too hard. And if you're getting that response, that's a sign that you could get hurt really easily. Definitely. But it, to me, I also think that those are the best signals that we can encounter because it is 
it's the edge by which we must play if mm -hmm. we are to improve. Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's a perfect boundary where it's like, just go here, but don't go too far. And as long as you're, as long as you accept and love that boundary, then we can continue to kind of push the edge. And it's, I use the word love because it's like, no one wants to have, you know, short ankle or, or no one wants to have compromised range of motion. No. If we, if we don't accept that, you know, I can't, you know, my shoulder does not go further than I would like, but in order for me to give it further, I have to go to that point where yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's really true. And that's, yeah, and it's like so, yeah, it's really, it's really important. And you, you just have to be just, yeah, you have to do it with like respect for your body. You have to go to those places with a high level of respect for your body. Like I'm with you too on like shoulder range of motion has always been like a challenge for me. And like, it's been improving over time recently, which is great. And I also just like feeling like I used to be able to feel like essentially like, like spaces where like just the muscle tissue was not as developed as it should have been compared to the rest of the, um, the body around it. So like, there were like these holes. It was like where I'd have like developed muscle and then like just no muscle at all. Um, and just over time, slowly working into that and being really patient, I've found helps with that. So, and with you, even with all the yoga you do, you still see like shoulder range of motion things. Definitely. I think mm -hmm. the, um, our skeletal system and the connective tissue is, is going to, take a long time to change. And for me, I had um, hyperlordosis for so long that it ended up creating like a kyphotic curve in my upper back. And so with, with kyphosis, with that concavity in the upper back, my shoulders had to come forward. And I'm just now actually able to lift my sternum. And so I'm, I'm starting to just now, like seven years later, feel like the scapula kind of move oh. downwards on my back, you know, cause I was in this constant protraction, you know, my shoulders were constantly forward for so long. And that was from your spine being curved or something. Yep. Yep. Totally. And it, cause like we had other conversations about, I think I know that every movement originates from the spine, you know, everything comes outwards from the spine. Mm -hmm. And so spine is not in its neutral alignment upstream or downstream. And, and it's going to affect the whole thing, you know, because the spine is is doing its job to withstand gravity, you know. Yeah. And so the entire gravity of Earth is pulling us down, and the spine is the thing that is sending energy upwards. Like it's almost like if you could picture a plant, you know, a plant is growing out of the Earth, going away from the full gravitational pull of Earth up towards the source of life for it, which is the sun, our spine's the same thing, growing out of our pelvis, lifting up. And so if, if we have a lifestyle or a habit or a pattern that is compromising that position of the spine somewhere, you know, the vertebrae may be kinked or whatever, then that's going to create a peripheral, you know, compromise as well, because the periphery is just doing its job of moving away from the spine. So 
Mm-hmm. If you just picture like, it's all, it's the skeleton, skeleton is just an amazing piece of architecture and all it's doing is following the laws of gravity, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, I, I just think that once we become mindful and aware of the, the role that this structure plays in our, you know, posture and our patterns and how, you know, how I'm standing is going to impact how I'm moving my shoulder. So if I could lift my chest and allow my, you know, heart to be open, then all of a sudden my shoulder has this complete range of motion because it's set in the socket properly. But if I'm slightly rounded forward and I'm in that usual pattern of, that I'm used to being in and my body's remembered for so long, then my shoulder is just, it's not very happy, you know, because it's not oriented towards the biomechanically efficient force production mm-hmm. according to gravity, you know? It's like, yeah. I have, to, I have to fight a battle against gravity when I should be using gravity to expand outwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. And what you're saying about the spine, too, made me think of, like, I was listening to an interview with this guy named Jersey. I can't remember his last name. He's, like, a he's Polish um, and, like, has some world records in weightlifting. And he runs a program called The Happy Body which sounds like kind of a silly, the happy body. Yeah. I'm just going to write his name down really fast. What was that again? Jersey? Jersey. Um, I can't remember his last name with the happy body. Cool. I'm looking it up. Jer- Jersey Gregorick. Yes. Cool. And he's like, I think he's in his sixties now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like, his his numbers are pretty incredible for a 60-year-old. Like, it's impressive what he can do. Um, but one of the things he talked about was whenever you're, whenever you're exercising, part of, I think, part of the cool-down he has his athletes do is just to simply do a dead hang, like a static hang from a bar afterwards. And it has to do with, like, because a lot of times when you're weightlifting, right, you're compressing, you're lifting weight and compressing your spine down. And so just by hanging, even though there's still gravity that's pushing your spine down by, you know, hanging, you get, you get pull from your legs and your arms that also help decompress your spine out a little bit. Um, after all that weight work and was just talking about how fundamental that is to just helping to keep everything in line and to kind of reset that system so that the peripheries, like you talked about, can kind of engage with the spine properly. Um, instead of just like constantly compounding, like adding pressure to the system all the time and then things getting kind of locked into place and and patterns getting locked in. Totally. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of evolutionary evidence in, um, is it anthropometry? Is that the, the study of the, um, like the structure of the human body? Anthrop- I don't know. Anthropo- I could be, I could be screwing this up, but. Like if you look at evolutionarily, you know, we are meant to brachiate, you know, we're meant to be hanging from this structure. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, and I say evolutionarily, it makes sense because the connective tissue, the 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 infrastructure of our body, the really strong infrastructure, not just the muscles, but the, the shit underlying that, which is the deep connective tissue lines. And Thomas Myers has amazing, done amazing work in this field. 
but we have this line of connective tissue that essentially comes from our ulnar side of our hand and it yeah. comes all the way down the arm and then if if your arm is fully extended overhead and you're reaching and you're it, it'll connect to your like deep into your scapula and then into your spine and go all the way down to your sacrum and what mm. that does is with a proper hang from like if you could picture a monkey hanging from a branch mm -hmm. you're gauged on this line properly your body is going to feel light because you have a like a steel cable that connects the base of your entire body which is your sacrum this huge wedge-like bone at the bottom of your spine mm -hmm. it's to that and going all the way up your arm and this is why you look at monkeys and they're just swing like dude they're you know they can swing all day hang from a branch all day and we we had that at one point and we've lost it because we no longer brachiate as often as we should yeah and that's still in our body and and doing that is the best decompression that we can get on the spine other than standing on our heads which that's an evolutionary human feat you know i don't think human, uh, monkeys were standing on their heads but we can very effectively decompress the spine by getting inverted mm -hmm. uh, and if we're not getting inverted then we might as well hang you know that's that's millions of years old yeah it's like second best to that or maybe maybe just maybe sufficient i don't know but yeah i have have you ever done like have you seen those like boots you can put on that have little hooks and you can like latch into a pull-up bar and hang yeah the little gravity boots yeah i'm like whatever i think that might be what they're called i think so i have seen those i've actually used a pair i've hung upside down with with one of them yeah i have not i looked into them and they like they felt sketchy to me for some reason and i also remember thinking like wow these were more expensive than i expected them to be um which i guess is a good sign if you're gonna hang from a bar Okay. One, of the, one of the things that we that everyone can do if they're not already doing is just put their legs up a wall. You know, that's oh. that's as, as relaxing of an inversion as we can make. And with our legs up the wall, like I'm talking scoot your butt all the way to the mm -hmm. side of the wall and then just swoop your legs up it. Um, and yeah. that will yeah. provide a compression down from your legs to, to let the sacrum drop. And that's really what we want. We want the sacrum to drop so that it can move so that the pelvis feels heavy. And when the pelvis feels heavy, the spine can naturally decompress itself. Yeah. And what is the sacrum exactly again? Can you? Yeah. The sacrum is the wedge-shaped bone at the very base of our lumbar vertebrae. So our lumbar vertebrae are the biggest discs in our spine. You know, mm -hmm. we have them going down. And they get progressively bigger because if you can imagine that the whole upper body needs to be locked and rooted on these big, you know, these turrets essentially. Um, mm -hmm. and, then, and then finally after the fifth lumbar vertebrae, we have this big fusion of it looks like multiple vertebrae fused together into a, a, a downward pointing triangle. Mm -hmm. the, the two um, pelvic bones, the ilium will sandwich that triangle together yeah so it's like the it's like the um is that what people call the tailbone the tailbone is actually the very end of the sacrum okay. which is a little, it's like it's called the coccyx and as the sacrum ends its downward pointing triangle there's a few little like it's, it's almost like a hook mm -hmm. at the end, which it, it, it appears as if a remnant the remnants of our tail yeah ancestors so 
it, this the coccyx and the sacrum are both part of what you could consider the tailbone. The coccyx is really the peak of the tailbone. Gotcha. Yeah, no. You don't no. want to hurt either of those things. <laughs> no. Like, suffering. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I didn't think about that The with just having your feet up a wall. Like, I've actually, like, so when I do um, middle stretch, split stretching and working on doing middle splits, one of the exercises is to just scoot your ass up against to the wall and bring your legs up and then let gravity help, you know, bring your legs apart into, into middle splits. And, um, and it's like my favorite of that stretching series. It's like my favorite part. Cause it's so, it's so relaxing to hang out there. Like it just yeah. feels like, and I didn't, I didn't connect that actually. I just like, I just knew I was just like, Oh, this feels so good. And it just felt like that. But because I guess because I'm doing so much intense stretching before that, and then I go into intensity afterwards, it just feels like such a break. I'm just like, oh yeah, and it and it totally does like just relax your entire back, your spine just like feels so free. Right. So, so what's happening is that spine, um, when we get in that state where the spine can actually flatten itself out, because the spine has natural curves in it, like we have a natural lordotic curve in our lower back, and then a natural kyphotic curve, and then in our upper back and then the cervical spine again has that lordotic curve. It's almost like a sine wave, if you could picture. Um, going back to the whole conversation about gravity, slight arcs in a structure going up provide more stability and more strength through midline. Like hmm. it, it'd be more brittle and more fragile if the spine was straight up and down. You okay. know what I mean? And so there's this slight wave-like motion yes. up the spine. And that's a good thing. But when we lay on our back and it takes the compression because there's also a natural compressive force because of that wave. But if we're flat on our back and we have something like our legs up the wall or if our, our, our thighs are supported, that back all of a sudden flattens out and gravity does its work to just let you like you can really feel yourself sink into the ground mm -hmm. and then, boom, parasympathetic activation because there's no there's no resistance in your body against the natural forces of the earth you know and there's, and there's no resistance you're really able to let go and and for some people that's the only time that they can take a deep breath you know because most of us are so contracted in our everyday life we don't even realize it you know we're holding so much unconscious tension like shit even me i'm practicing hours of yoga a day i feel tension creep into my body you know, and if I, at the end of the day, if I lay with my legs up the wall, I can tap into that same relaxation that somebody who doesn't do hours of yoga a day, yeah. we're, we're forced to just decompress and let, let the earth just, you know, mm -hmm. the earth us. Yeah. Do you, so like with that and that, or that's making your back flat, right? Cause it's taking your sacrum and essentially turning it like this, which then flattens out the entire spine. Like. Is that kind of what's happening? What's up? Yeah, the, uh, well, like the weight of the femur and the legs, like our lower body's heavy, you know? Yeah. That's pushing down and it's allowing the sacrum just to kind of ground and root. And when that sacrum feels rooted and supported, the spine naturally wants to grow long out of it because the spine is built like a spring, you know? It has to be built. Like it's structurally built 
so that it can spring away from the pelvis. You know, just like that plant that we were talking about, there's this energy, this force, the natural resistance against gravity, the equal and opposite action reaction going upwards. Hmm. Our spine is that spring. And so when we, when we let a, um, if you could picture like a slinky or, or maybe not a slinky, but just a spring itself, if you can give a spring a base, suddenly that spring is going to, it's going to out and you'll, you'll feel if you lay with your legs up the wall for 20 minutes and you just keep breathing deeply, your head is going to start to like lift, you know, cause what's happening is that each vertebrae sequentially is decompressing and the spring force is pulling all the way up into your cervical vertebrae. And eventually if you even pay, if you pay close attention, you'll notice that your chin will eventually drop a little bit. And that's your cervical, the final back part of your neck and your cervical vertebrae finishing the length of the spine. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think I might, today when I meditate, I might just try and do it in that position, actually. It's also making me think, like, for people who, like, people like myself who snore from time to time or snore all the time, um, like, I wonder if sleeping with, instead of sleeping, um, Cause I know it's like, I know sometimes like for people who snore, um, a lot of times it's cause it's when you're on your back and you're having trouble breathing. And so if you flip to your side and you, when you, when you lay on your side, you tend to bend your knees. You, um, a lot of times can breathe more like ease more easily, but I wonder if also just like putting a pillow underneath your knees. So your knees are slightly bent and elevated, which would, it wouldn't be the same as like, you know, having your knees fully vertical or your, your, your femurs fully vertical. But I wonder if that little bit of knee bend would do a little bit to like relax the curve in your spine and flatten that a little bit, which then activate your um, parasympathetic and help you like have deeper, more calm breathing. Um, like, I wonder if that would be a simple trick for people to try. Yeah, I mean, that. I have not thought about it that way, but I think you're really onto something, Mike. I think, you know, because isn't snoring just a result of the head being overextended and the upper palate being slightly compressed so that the upper palate doesn't have this natural flow to it? And so then like overextended backwards. Is that your... Right. And so because if we're overextended in the cervical spine, all we want to do is drop the chin a little bit. And I know people have like those mouth guards and things like that to prevent snoring. Mm -hmm. All that's doing is pulling the jaw into a position that allows the upper palate to be open because mm -hmm. the upper palate is directly connected to our highest or the extension or the, the highest part of our cervical spine. Mm -hmm. and so this, the final um, vertebrae in our cervical spine are in alignment, the upper palate is open. And to get that alignment in our cervical spine, it starts at the bottom of the chain. You know, mm -hmm. you can't just, you can't just lift your chest. You have to, you have to lengthen the sacrum and you have to let the sacrum drop. And you can do that by slightly elevating the lower legs or what you mentioned before, uh, just a second ago. Mm -hmm. And we'll feel that like if one end of our body starts to feel like it can lengthen and move away from the upper part of our body, our upper part of our body naturally wants to extend itself 
and take advantage of, of that spring force. And then, and then. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What was, what was that? Near Shieski. Okay, just say anything. <laughs> hey, one sec, I'm gonna grab my headphones, right? Yeah, dude. Gage is gonna start cooking, so I just wanna. Oh, nice. Some midday, midday snacking. What's that? Some midday lunch. That might be his first meal. First meal? Huh? First meal? First meal. First meal. All right. All right. Um, uh, man, that we just covered a lot of really good stuff right there without any even. Yeah. That was that was really good stuff. Decompressing the spine and brachiation and uh, I don't even, I don't even remember how we got on that topic. <laughs> I think just by ankle and the fascial system and yeah, and your shoulders. I think just talking about all all those things. We didn't have any intention of talking about any of this stuff today, no. did we? <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. But I'm cool with it. Like I like that it just is flowing. So, um, yeah, no, me too. I think I, I hope our listeners can can appreciate the jam as well because I know I I always take a lot away from these, you know, and and uh, I, I like it that way. I think today we intended to talk about connecting with nature. Yeah. And, I mean, if we can hang from trees more often, that's pretty, that's a connection with nature, you know, brachiations in the arms of the tree. And that's true. That's the, the connection with our monkey selves when we were monkeys. Well, uh, let's, let's just kind of transition a little bit. And for the last part of our show here, we can, um, why don't we just integrate what we've been talking about into this whole connection with nature? Because I think we plan to talk about, mm -hmm. um, uh, being a part of our environment. Yes. And um, yeah. what's, what's a more natural way to be a part of our environment than to move within it naturally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like even, yeah, both like how, like the environment we come from, but also just how to embrace like not like how to embrace or build natural patterns inside of the environment we live in today, even if it's yeah. different than maybe the environment we evolved from. Right. Um, right. Like what if we, instead of a standing desk, you know, everyone has a standing or treadmill desks. Why don't we have a hanging desk? Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. Double brachiation. And you can just like type, <laughs> type on your fingers up on the bullet bar. <laughs> Oh, that, you just put a keyboard up there? You put a keyboard up there. <laughs> you imagine that? You'd have some people with, like, these really, like, monkey arms, like CEOs. You're like, oh, he, he's got the new pull-up desk, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that guy works real hard. Spends a lot of time at his desk. Oh, my gosh. That would be pretty with, sweet. With all seriousness, now that, like, yeah, totally. How can we move? You know, most most people and probably some of the people listening – are certainly sitting often, mm -hmm. you know? Well, all of us are sitting probably far too often. Yes. The invention of a chair, how, 
don't know, when did we get chairs, you know, before that, weren't we just squatting or sitting on the ground and stuff, sitting on maybe a rock for... Yeah, I mean, I was, what was I looking at yesterday? I was looking up, like, I think I Google searched how, like, when the first human was alive or something like that. When the first human was alive. Like, when, when like, yeah. When did you come up with that? Modern humans, because I think I did some research recently on that as well, and it's, like, pretty fascinating, right? Yeah, it's something like, like, humans have been around for, like, was it 6,000 years? Shit, now I'm forgetting. Or most. Dude, civilization itself has been around for about 6,000 years. Yes. Like, that's the Neolithic era? Yes. I don't know. Yeah, so human but, civilization is, like, 6,000 years old. Like, but our current... human, our, yeah. Well, well, yeah, that goes back even further. Like, I think, I think there are, like, ancestors of humans, like... I should Google this before I sound. I mean, I was, what I was raised in the church, so we had some different ideas on how this all came about. The um, Bible says, didn't the Bible say Earth was created six thousand years ago? I think that's what people argue is that it was created, that the Earth was created six thousand years ago, and I think that's based on like, like these numbers. Coincides with civilization. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So as we know Earth today, it was created six thousand years ago. That's a that's an accurate statement. Well. Yes, that's some accuracy. But but what's even crazier is actually actually as we know Earth today is only two hundred years old. Like wait a second. Oh yes. As so like Earth today is so like years old? so like the, the the type of humans we are today yeah. with like like industrialized civilization is only oh, two hundred right. years old. Right. Like two hundred years ago, we had a population of like a hundred million people, and now we have what seven billion yeah something crazy like that and we have factories and electricity and like right. cars right. and right. chairs right. 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 We, um, we are essentially a new human being yes then. with conditioning from six thousand years ago plus gotcha 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 and i think based on what i've read um the prefrontal cortex which makes us uniquely human right the part of our brain that is responsible for um, executive function and speculation and, and the ability to think about thinking, you know, these all, these are all uniquely human qualities. This came 2 million years ago in our evolutionary history. And so our brain, which has separated us quite distinctly from other animals, um, is only about 2 million years old. But before that we had very similar anatomical ancestors as far as bipedalism and and um i don't even know like were we well i don't know when tools i think tools and like tribes and that sort of thing came around the same time or after the prefrontal cortex was developed because also this speculative capacity and the ability for our brain to um, perceive future events mm -hmm. allowed us to work together because we're like oh wait a second i can I can plan and I can organize such that I'm not just out for myself. I can actually work with this other human being because it's no, it's no longer a very black and white world. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, you develop that sense of like, oh, if we collaborate a little bit or we do some of these things, it actually helps in survival. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Which is where I think so much of what we do and what influences us like comes. Like I've been just really diving like really that's been a big tact of mine recently is just thinking about okay like how much is the way we react to someone has a different political view than us or the way we react to an email or the way we like engage in dating or whatever how much is that based on like evolutionary or even like how we approach food and things like that how much that just based on these evolutionary ingrained survival instincts Mm -hmm. and like it's been really interesting to frame life and the world in that perspective because then it actually for me at least i found it just helped me like oh okay like survival in a harsh environment is what we're like made to do um right and so like then that influences everything you do it influences how you like choose to relate to other people and like gauge your relationship with them it also influences how you train you know like thinking about things like your shoulders and your your calves actually like or like a lot of like what humans are made to do or what we've evolved to do when it comes like physical activity is to cover vast spaces of territory walking and hunting for things and then to engage in a quick bout of physical activity to kill an animal and then to take that animal and throw it over our shoulder and walk that long distance back and so like when you see like the dude in the gym like curling like tons and tons of weight to like get the giant bicep, um, like in some ways that guy might actually be better off like doing like a racked carry and holding like a heavy kettlebell in a rack position for a long ass period of time because that's what that muscle was actually designed to do. That is a good, very good point. You know, the bicep, huh? I never thought about that front rack carry. Yeah. Mm. There you are. Yeah, you want you got, you got a date or something? You want to get bicep pump? Just front rack. Front rack carry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's cool. Well, yeah. I mean, we certainly can look at our anatomy, and well, at least I hope we can look at our anatomy and get clues to what we're meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Speaking of movement in a natural environment and looking at like just how energy moves in the body and how it wants to move, like we're going back to what we talked about previously with gravity, you know, we we literally have the entire force of Earth, the whole gravitational field of Earth is pulling us down. And because of Newton, we know equal and opposite action forces are present in the universe and they have to be mm-hmm. so we have an equal and action equal and opposite uh, reaction of this whole earth's gravity that's propelling us upward that's inside of every single human being that's inside of every life form on mm-hmm. planet earth and like we're we're so far removed of what of how to harness that power and that's the most natural thing that we have available to us because it is nature itself within us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so what can we do to remind our, our bodies? Cause our body is the thing that remembers this. We just, in our mind, we start to change. We start to influence our posture just by having a thought, you know, if you could, if you could just take this little experiment for, for a ride, And for anybody listening, you can just imagine somebody who you love or someone you're very close with. If you can close your eyes and really picture them getting hurt 
your body will adjust as if like it'll close off. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it wants to kind of protect. And if you could change, if you could override that sensation, because that's very natural. But mm -hmm. if you could override that sensation to be open and expansive towards that, then you're you're manipulating your you're using your conscious thought to overcome the the um, what you mentioned before about how we're just built to survive and we're really good at that. Mm -hmm. So hardwired in our DNA, we want to protect that person that's close to us. But also we have this thing that's a gift from nature that allows us to overcome that, which is our our conscious thought, you know, our awareness. And man, I went off on a few different tangents there, but coming back, you know, what can we do in our natural environment that reminds us, that reminds our body that it has the whole power of earth in it? We can just do the things that are natural, that it's naturally built to do. We can squat, we can hang, we can, you know, get up off of our seat and stand up and really mm -hmm. stand, you know, like when was the last time you stood like really strong, you know, mm -hmm. and then like feel this strength of your body standing. And like, that's something I teach a lot in my yoga uh, classes is to just stand there, like feel this stance of your body and you can, you can start to fully inhabit yourself and start to, I mean, you can be strong just standing. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what greater feeling is that? And some, for some people that, you know, just like we talked about putting your legs up the wall or taking a deep breath and these things that we forget, it's just like, man, let's just, let's get back to the really basic stuff that has allowed our species to advance standing, walking, mm -hmm. running, hanging. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And like, yeah, just because like, I don't know, like the path of least resistance and like, I think the built environment we live in is to you generally to sit, um, it's generally to stay in one place for the majority of your day. Uh, a lot of time it's to not be in sunlight. Um, like a lot of folks are in situations where they work in an office or a cubicle that doesn't have access to eat. Like they don't get to get outside or they don't even have access to a window nearby. Um, it's yeah, crazy, which is crazy. Um, but that's like, like, yeah, but it's real. It's a, it's a reality that we live in. It's real. It's reality. And so, like, even things in that situation of, like, you know, just because, like, the kind of um, just to get by, you can sit all day and it feels like the most pressing thing in your situation might always be, like, whatever project you have going on. Like, taking that little bit of time to, like, go and at least, like, look out the window. Um, like, actually, like, there's um, there's something to... Like when we spend also like spending a lot of our day looking at a screen like this, our eyes um, get essentially immobile as well when it mm. comes to focusing. So like right. we're using our short or like short range vision a lot during the day. And like that's where our eyes are focused. But mm. even just like looking out away from your computer screen and like looking out like I'm looking out the door right now at this like cloud above this building in front of me, like doing that and having to focus on that cloud out there like changes like you know makes my eye do something different and even like for right. someone like me who wears right. glasses like going it's something i'll do from time to time is go out and like go for a walk without glasses on because not using my lenses actually can sure. help 
strengthen the my eyes and and make them work in ways that are different um and they're just little things like that in your environment like just because we're in a built world and maybe like it'd be really easy for me to spend my entire day sitting on this couch right here and like looking at my computer screen like doesn't mean i have to right right yeah i think i love what you said about how you know we're going back to the whole evolution and what's natural to me, what's natural is what nature has intended for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our eyeballs were not in, they didn't, we didn't get eyeballs that are freaking awesome that allow us to see and, you know, see everything by looking at a screen. You know, that's so recent in our, in this, I'm pointing to my eyeball for people listening. This thing's development took millions of years, mm-hmm. millions of years of refining. And now we're screwing it all up by, by, um, I guess we're not screwing it up and well, and well, it's arguable, you know, we can be screwing it up, but we shouldn't be. And it still has in it the latent capacity to be a strong eyeball because it took millions of years to get there. And it's not like, you know, just 10 years of looking at a computer screen will screw it up. You might have weekend vision, but you can, you can retrain that and you can get back what's natural. You can return to a natural state if you do the things that are natural, like you mentioned, going to the window and looking out and, and seeing a cloud or going for a walk without your glasses, that's such an awesome idea, Mike. And I love that. And it's like, when was the last time people who wear glasses regularly thought to remove them and, and go without them? I hope, you know, I hope that this might inspire somebody to do that because, you know, we didn't have glasses hundreds of years ago and we probably were fine. And now yeah. that we have them, we can use them as tools, but we shouldn't rely upon them. Just like we shouldn't rely upon the computer screen to do all our work or the mm-hmm. chair to sit or, you know, we should, to me, the most natural thing we can do is not rely on anything that's man-made and we can return to the things that nature has provided for us, which nature is providing everything for us. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And it gets into something like why like nature is so important and like what nature like one of the things that nature like being in nature does to us is it makes us uncomfortable right like when you're like in the woods like spending a weekend or a week or whatever like backpacking or even even if you're car camping right you there are certain like comforts and things you you give up and there's certain like there's inconveniences that come up or like you're walking on a trail it's not the same as walking on a sidewalk you know like like you know right now it's been rainy a bunch here in california so like trails are getting washed out in places or like i've gone some mm-hmm. hikes where it's just like running water through the trail and you're just like okay i'm gonna walk through this water now um and your feet get all wet and so like it mm-hmm. does these things that are inconvenient and they it stresses you in these little ways um and that's what's so great about that's one of the advantages to going out and being in nature is that you it's a especially in today's world like when like uh, you can get outside and be in nature, but still like be really close to safety. Like it's a mm-hmm. way to like provide these small stresses on your system mm-hmm. and create these small challenges, which is something I love about being outdoors. Stresses and challenges. I think like, I'm just going to talk about something that, that I love is this, the whole perception, you know, it's, you know, walking through a stream can be 
a stress, but it could also be a fun challenge, mm -hmm. you know, and cause it's not like at the end of the day, dude, if we're still alive and we're still breathing, then we're ready to continue life, you mm -hmm. know? And if we can remind ourselves that through the little tasks that we do, then those things become challenges that give us an opportunity to grow and move beyond. And mm -hmm. that's, that's all life wants is for us to grow and move forward. You know, that's, that's, that's the life force that's allowed us to be where we are right now. You know, if we, if we somehow made a, like a certain decision that like, nope, I can't continue on. We're just, you know, we're going to die. We will, we will die. But that life force that's so much greater than our little mind or little ego wants to believe from time to time, that thing is propelling us forward. And it's like, nope, you're not done yet. There's still work to do, or there's still life to live. There's still experiences to be had mm -hmm. as much as we may get depressed or be upset or be, you know, maybe I'm tight. I'm holding tension. I'm, I'm struggling with work. Mm -hmm. There's something that's propelling us forward. And yes. if we can just remind ourselves and tap into that, it's like, dude, you're being lived. It's all, it's all right. You know, yeah. you know, we're not even being, we're not even taking a breath. The breath is given to us from the outside atmosphere. It's saying like, Oh, I guess I have to, to illustrate that, you know, the, the atmospheric pressure difference outside of our body is heavier than inside of our body. So the first inhale that we take and every subsequent inhale ever after that is actually a push from the outside into our lungs. If you could picture a balloon in a box. Oh, really? So you're not just, you're not actually using not the muscular to like bring it in. Like no. in some ways, like if you stress that you can draw it in more quickly, but that pressure is actually like getting forced into us anyway. So breathing, that right. is part of how breathing is subconscious. Exactly. So if you can, if you can fully relax into the inhale, and this is a tough one for most people, and this is why we do a lot of breathing exercises in yoga, is because it allows us to relax into the inhale. That is a full breath because the inhale takes care of itself. It's the whole earth is being like, breathe, you know, and if you get out of the way, if your little construct of this physical body gets out of the way completely, the inhale is given to you completely and you will be fully able to receive that breath. And then the exhale will just be a natural mm. ebb and flow, man. It's an ebb and flow. It's like the ocean wave coming in and coming out. And you know, it's an, it's just so it's a, it's a really interesting thing. Just thinking about that from a scientific and physics standpoint, how it's because of a pressure difference that the yeah. breath is given to you. And then when we realize that it, it ties into the whole, you're being lived, man, that you're being taken care of. You know, you don't have to think about breathing. It's just, it's just happening. You don't have to think about your heart beating, your heart's beating in your chest and doing this work for you. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no consciousness in my mind that's like, oh, we need to remember to beat and beat the heart and, and take a breath. No, man, there's a, there's a much, much bigger intelligence, you know, mm -hmm. playing a role in allowing this being, this body, Grant and Mike to, to live, you know, yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. I think so too. And I think that's like, I mean, I think, I mean, uh, what is it like? with that word stress right like we are conditioned to think stress is really bad like oh stress is bad you're stressed out like you know negative but like there's different kinds of stress like 
there's actually like like essentially like with so with breathing right like the exhale if that's what we do Mm -hmm. um essentially every single time you exhale you're utilizing the 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 tissue in your lungs to to push the carbon dioxide out of your body and you're also you know using your lungs to filter in the the oxygen into your body to utilize and so like every repetition of that is using that system of your body it's it's putting a minor stress on that system and like that system has a lifespan but that system can go for i think actually they're finding that like like when people die like it's not because like people who live a long lifetime um it's because all of their organs are aging together people who mm-hmm. die like you don't die because all your organs fail out you usually die because one of them failed out but it's not always the mm. same one. And so, like, we mm. actually can live, like, our organs have the capacity, many of them, to go much longer than 100 years. Hey, one, one sec. I think Gage left his filet on the, oh. on the, one sec. Go for it. Got some burnt meat over there. Yeah, I hope not. It smells amazing now. Um, <laughs> you're mentioning our we have the capacity to go for hundred years. Uh, a lot of our organs, organs actually have the capacity to go for longer than hundred years, is what they're finding out. Um, wow. And cool. so, and so, like, just because something is stressful doesn't mean it's bad. You know, like, just because crossing a washed out like hiking trail is like. A little bit of a challenge like that's not a mm-hmm. bad thing necessarily that's actually could be a good thing like same with like i think that's part of the reason like what we're finding with standing right it's like oh well you sit because it's it's easier it's it's relaxed it's comfortable but we're finding that if you actually spend all your time sitting and very little of it standing even though you've technically reduced stress because you're not standing i took it off the thing since oh cool, um even though you've reduced stress because you're not standing, you're actually creating a different stress, and that and that input of standing isn't actually a bad thing. So, totally. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's related or not. It's just what came to mind. No, yeah, they, we have to. Um, we just have to manage our stressors so that we're not taking in too much to our system, so that. And we have to be aware that if we are providing a stress to our system, we're doing it voluntarily. That's the key word. You know, we're not we're not entering into something that's like, oh, I have to do this because no, it's a it's I'm choosing to do this because I know that it will allow me to develop resilience and to be more robust and to enjoy this experience of being a human being, which can overcome challenges, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when we take that stance towards anything that we do, whether it be walking or, or exercising or, you know, eating something like even if it's shitty food, quote unquote, you know, food that's not so good for us, Mm -hmm. how can we allow it to be the best possible choice for us? We just have to make sure that it's a, it's a voluntary 
you know, it's a voluntary stressor in that it becomes a challenge and not and not that it's an involuntary stressor in that it becomes something that inhibits us or weakens us or takes away from our our life force. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that makes me think of like <clears throat> like so in your environment, Grant, like at your house, like or uh, like what are the things you do? to your environment or with your environment that you feel like are things you do to like make it, um, to make it an environment that, I don't know, maximize your potential or, or helps you like have, uh, that it's beneficial to you. Like things or tools or devices, just habits in my environment that I, yeah, any of it, like it could be tools, it could be habits, it could be, um, just the type of place that you like or want to live in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First thing that comes to mind is just so simple. is just walking barefoot. You know, I try to spend as much time as barefoot as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, just cause I know like how, like having healthy feet is going to contribute to the whole fascial structure up our entire leg into our talking about the spine into the sacrum and all the way up the chain, you know, mm -hmm. Our body is not a, um, our body is not a collection of, you know, individual systems. It is an entire system within which are subsystems, but the whole thing functions as a unit and it can only be that way because it has evolved that way. And so walking barefoot is just one of the simple habits that I do. You know, I, I try to go for a walk at least once a day, sometimes more than that. Um, then I just go through my neighborhood and I just spend the time observing my neighborhood and being thankful for it. And it's a very simple habit that I've cultivated for a long time now. And, um, it never fails to, to, uh, keep me grounded and rooted in in home in the community and, and make me feel good in my body, which to me, everything that I do, all the habits and, and things that I have in place, are designed, at least designed by me, to make me feel good in my body. Because when I feel good, I can perform well in whatever I'm doing. I can contribute meaningfully into whatever I'm doing, and I can just be my my authentic self, being just being real. You know, mm -hmm. if I don't feel good, then I'm concerned that something in my body is out of place or whatever, and that's going to ultimately remove from my capacity to give back or my capacity to to um, to be a better human, to live a better, you know, talking about having a bigger slice of pie from life. Yeah. So, so bare, barefoot walking, barefoot so. walking. I like that. Yeah. What about you? Um, that's actually, I mean, I'll come, I'll think of something else as well, but that's actually something that when I moved from LA to Oakland and started living by the lake here, that really, um, made a huge impact on my life of just like, oh, the amount of time walking I get to do now versus sitting in a car just drastically improved quality of life for me. So always has. I yeah. mean walking is so massage like, from roommates yeah. too actually. Another yes. another key. <laughs> that is a key. Wish I could get one of these daily. Pretty much too actually. Nice. It's my favorite thing that he does, just the cervical vertebrae and like the shoulder girdle. That's great. Are you guys both yoga practitioners? Gage has his own form of yoga. Yeah. 
not in the classical sense of what we think of as yoga, but he does it. Okay. His, his practice mostly is body work, but he's also does a lot of physical activities, very much mm. a very diverse range of them. Nice. So that's great. Because we, I don't know, we can probably close on this. Um, what yoga really is, you know, is is because um, yoga means union, mm-hmm. means to yoke, to connect with, and the most natural thing that we can do is connect with our true nature, right? Is is be completely at one and at peace with this entire being that we are mm-hmm. and this entire being that we are was given to us as a result of nature and all of the forces of nature coming together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yoga is practiced by everybody in varying ways. And it's really the way that every individual connects with their highest potential and so some people are practicing yoga when they're on the way to work and they're deep in thought and reflection. And then all of a sudden the inspiration comes through because it's, uh, I mean, when it first appeared in the, in the texts, it just, it, it referred to a state of being and it wasn't a practice, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a state that arises as a result of other things being in place. And so you know, people who do artwork or musicians or crossfitters or um, scientists, art, artists, you name it. Everybody is entering this state of yoga, of union mm-hmm. with their highest natural self because they're doing things the right way so that the, the state arises, you know. And because it's like you can't try to sleep. Sleep arises because conditions are met. You know, you're in a room, it's dark, it's nighttime, it's it's the usual sleep time. Mm -hmm. So conditions are met, sleep is the state that arises. Conditions are met, yoga is the state that arises. And when you're in yoga, when you're in this natural state of being, the, the whole creative force of the universe, the one that has allowed you to be alive, is now coming through you and it's, what do you want to do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, to me, that's just so cool, man. Cause like you're doing it. Gage is doing it. My other roommate, Mike Gage's dad is doing it. Everybody's I'm pointing behind me cause they're sitting at the table. there praying over their meal. They're about to have, and we're all, you know, we're all doing it. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have to be in a hot yoga studio sweating to do yoga. You yeah. can't do, you can't do yoga. Just like you can't do sleep. So. Yeah. No, I think it's a great, that's a great point. Yeah, it's physical practice and even just engaging with whatever, like, place you're in is not, um, our ability to act upon that is fairly limited, you know? Like, it's really about being present and whatever that is. When we, when we try to force an outcome or force, like, a state onto that, um, whether it's like we're trying to force a positive state or a negative state instead of just letting whatever it is be like we create, I think, I think we put ourselves in situations where we run into blocks or we run into, um, we just, we, I think we just miss the opportunity to really just take in just whatever it is we're supposed to be learning that moment or can be learning that moment. Um, and so there's still, I think 
having that that mindset of like, okay, like this is the environment I'm in, or this is this is where I want to, this is where I am right now, and just engaging with that as fully as possible, and whatever that means, is a really good way to approach any aspect of life, and really I think where a lot of um, where where a lot of learning and um, things like success or wisdom or you know deepening relationships like comes from is from that state of just being present in whatever it is and, and seeing how the interconnectivity of life happens in in those moments damn man that was good for sure <laughs> I, I totally agree with you the all of the information is available to us provided we are open and receptive to to it and the only way we can be open and receptive to it is being completely present in what is yeah so cool man well hey should we wrap up with that say we wrap it up all right awesome that was a great finish yeah that was fun um that was good stuff man i feel like we can dive more into environment at some point but i think we got a good start to that for sure we'll have to we'll text about it so we can figure out if we want to continue on this uh, on our next meeting but um yeah, do we do we have our closing thing put together? Um, I think so. Let me. Um, I have an idea for that. Let me throw that together and shoot over to you and see what you think. Awesome. Um, yeah. Or do we need to do a close? We we usually do an intro, right? Yeah, we have the intro on there. Yeah. Or we know we have a close already. We usually just do an intro together. Um, gotcha. But I was thinking of, I was thinking of throwing one together and sharing that with you to help us kind of streamline how we do that. And so why don't I throw that together? I'll send it to you, and then we can either record together on that, or um, or yeah, or take turns or something. Awesome. I'll shoot that your way. Cool, brother. Cool, man. Well, are you going to sit down and grub with these these fellas? I'll probably sit down and hang out. I got my practice, my afternoon practice here in a bit. So Nice. Cool. Well, I hope that goes well. And as always, learning tons from you and enjoying these conversations, Grant. It means a lot. Likewise, brother. From my heart, man. Likewise. Cool, dude. All right, I will uh, I'll chat with you later. All right, thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure, man. Likewise. Peace. Cheers. Thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. We really appreciate you guys checking in with us and listening to our inwards and upwards conversations. Mike, go ahead and talk about where you can find us, and with that, I'm out. Yeah, Grant, thanks so much you as well and to all of you guys who tuned in uh, we appreciate it so much you can find us anywhere on the internet really facebook youtube itunes um, as well as the other assorted social media Um, and please uh, if this was valuable to you um, we would love for you to like and share it with your friends or leave us a five-star review on itunes and um If you have a comment, a question, or a concern, uh, please 
Um, leave that for us anywhere that you're listening to us right now. And we would love to chat with you and um, get your feedback. It, it all uh, is really valuable to us. And we're just so grateful to all of you for uh, sharing your time and attention with us and peeking in on this conversation. And with that, um, words and upwards and words and upwards. 